Today on Not Sam Wrestling, we are getting out the crystal ball. What will happen in the wrestling world in 2022? I've got some ideas. I'm going to share them with you. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. How about it? Big episode 375. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Happy uh, holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year upcoming. This is the last Not Sam Wrestling of 2021. I don't even remember what year we started this podcast in. It's been many years, but it's always fun at the end of the year to look at what we've got in store. Of course, we could look back. There is so much that happened this year in the world of wrestling, but I don't like to look back. I like to look forward. And if you're looking forward, you can look forward at all of our many different outlets here on Not Sam Wrestling. You can join us for the bonus show every week, as well as uh, Zoom meetings and live podcast recordings and everything else at patreon.com slash Wrestling. You can watch videos from the podcast every single week at youtube.com slash Wrestling. Do me a favor, subscribe to the YouTube page. It's free. Hit the subscribe button on the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube page. And then go to wherever you're getting this podcast, be it Apple, Spotify, wherever you get it, and hit the subscribe button, leave a review, leave a rating. Just interact with it. It'll be really great. It'll be a a fabulous way to end 2021. So I wanted to look into what's happening in 2022, and it's a risk to do it right now. It'd be a lot easier to do it next week. And the reason it'd be a lot easier to do it next week is because the pay-per-view year is literally starting on January 1st. The next Not Sam Wrestling podcast, episode 376, will be out. It would be Monday, January 3rd. So yes, it would be a lot easier to forecast what the year may have in store for us after the pay-per-view, but we're not going to do that. We're going to take the easy way out. We're not going to predict 2022 in 2022. It's a foolish thing to do. Instead, we sit at the end of 2021 and we look ahead. And the the play and and of course day 1 will come into contact. Look, some of this stuff you'll already be able to throw out of here because Raw's on tonight. AJ Styles versus Almost is tonight. It's still in 2021 after we get our predictions out there. But it's important to note, too, that while some of this will be predictions, it will, it'll kind of be a mix of predictions, suggestions, and hopes. Fantasy booking, if you will, because you know I cannot get on this podcast and talk about anything without booking something for all of you. I can't help but book the territory here on Not Sam Wrestling, and I feel like that's why you tune in. So with that in mind, let's get started. Let's get started on what, to me, is one of the more, if not the most, interesting storyline that's happening in wrestling right now and something that I wanted to look at as a full story and see where it expands in 2022. This is a story that technically started in August of 2020. When Roman Reigns returned while the Thunderdome era was still in progress when he returned at SummerSlam. But really, 
the meat on this bone was 2021. Starting with the Royal Rumble, going into WrestleMania, going into SummerSlam, going into, uh, I mean, heading towards day one. You're talking about Roman Reigns. And if you look at the beats of 2021, it's stacking up Edge and Daniel Bryan on top of each other at WrestleMania, beating John Cena clean at SummerSlam, and then going to Crown Jewel and beating Brock Lesnar with some controversy only to lead to what's going to happen at day one on Saturday with Paul Heyman now theoretically on the outs with Roman Reigns. Now, I have uh, thoughts on basically the entire year of Roman Reigns. This is the one, most of the stuff I'm going to speak in generalities, but for Roman, I've got more specific stuff. So I have day one starting 2022 with Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, main event. Brock Lesnar comes to the ring with Paul Heyman. It is very clear now who's on whose side. While Paul Heyman did, and this is why it's important, right? Because we're going to see this kind of babyface version of Paul Heyman that we really hadn't seen before. Like, we haven't seen this version of Paul Heyman, really. We haven't seen, even though he's a bad guy still, we haven't seen the Roman Reigns version of Paul Heyman before. The version of Paul Heyman that's intimidated of the person that he's representing. So now we're going to see this babyface version of Paul Heyman. And in order for Paul Heyman to be a babyface, he has to speak basically the way he spoke on SmackDown both last week and two weeks ago before he got punched in the face by Roman Reigns, explaining that he truly was trying to protect the tribal chief. His job is and was to protect the tribal chief. And he knew what Brock Lesnar had in store, and he knew he had to protect the tribal chief. Now, the fact that Roman Reigns got offended by that and fired Paul Heyman makes Roman a bad guy because Paul Heyman never lied and never didn't do his job. Paul Heyman didn't turn on Roman Reigns by siding with Brock Lesnar. Roman Reigns turned on Paul Heyman because he felt that Paul Heyman did not have faith in him. So that's very, very important. That's key to the way this thing is, is unraveling. Now, at day one, I think at this point, a lot of people expect Roman Reigns to win because Roman Reigns doesn't show up on pay-per-view and lose titles. It doesn't happen. And I think a lot of people are expecting this whole thing to be a swerve. I think you don't go that way. I think we start day one of 2022 with Brock Lesnar beating Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns loses the universal title to Brock Lesnar at day one. And Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar celebrate together. Now, this is still, and, and all the roles are still intact. Roman Reigns is still a bad guy. Brock Lesnar is still a good guy. Paul Heyman is still a good guy, along with Brock Lesnar. And Brock, uh, and, and Heyman shows up with Brock on SmackDown, the first SmackDown of the new year, to kind of take a victory lap, to say, I told you so. We're back to the days of Paul Heyman in the ring with Brock Lesnar cutting these promos. But it's the Brock Lesnar of new that we're seeing, not the Brock Lesnar of old. It's Brock Lesnar with a pony nub and some overalls and a cutoff flannel, and he's smiling, and Paul Heyman is smiling, and everybody's cheering, and everybody's having a good time. Roman is furious. Roman is throwing stuff. Roman is being abusive again. Right. There's a little less. It's it's not quite as cohesive 
with Roman and the Usos. The bloodline is starting to show signs of deterioration because Roman's mentality is showing signs of deterioration. He's not good with dealing with loss, especially this version of Roman Reigns. So Brock disappears. Brock's not showing up to SmackDown every week. Brock is gone until the Royal Rumble. And Roman isn't getting a match at the Royal Rumble because Roman was so abusive with his power over all the officials. It's pointed out that Roman was very, very abusive with with, uh, Adam Pearce, with Sonya Deville. He doesn't have Paul Heyman fighting his battles anymore. And Jimmy and Jey Uso are simply not the negotiators that Paul Heyman is. There's a reason that Paul Heyman has the job that he has. So Roman Reigns quickly figures out that the only way to get to WrestleMania is to enter and win the Royal Rumble. So that's exactly what he's going to do. Roman Reigns enters the Royal Rumble and the eye rolls start coming already. People already forecast, okay, I see what's going to happen here. Roman goes to the Rumble and wins the Rumble and we get to WrestleMania and we got Roman versus Brock. Not so fast because we get to the Royal Rumble And Roman does go all the way. And I've got some other notes for what may happen at the Royal Rumble this year. And there's lots of stuff that's going to go on in that match. WWE is at this place where where it's time to not only establish people, but to build new stars. I think the Royal Rumble match is a place where that can happen. I think that this Royal Rumble match could have the ability to maybe not have as heroic an ending as 2020's Royal Rumble did. But certainly with all the moving parts, this can be a classic Royal Rumble. And the ending to this classic Royal Rumble has, it's almost poetry. It's Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, the last two men in the 2022 Royal Rumble. And Seth Rollins eliminates Roman. Roman cannot believe it. He's beside himself. Quite frankly, Seth Rollins can't believe it either because this isn't heroic Seth Rollins. This is weaselly drip god Seth Rollins. This is heel Seth Rollins. It's heel versus heel at the end of this Royal Rumble. And Seth Rollins wins the Royal Rumble. He now puts his sights on Big E because at day one, you know, with all the arguments going on as to who is the rightful challenger to Big E's championship between Lashley and Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins just won the Royal Rumble. Seth Rollins has it cemented. Maybe Big E beat Bobby Lashley or Kevin Owens at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, but Seth isn't worried about it. Because Seth is going to WrestleMania to face Big E. Now, in the meantime, yes, we know how how WWE works. Roman is able to find a way to get to WrestleMania. Once Seth declares that Big E is the guy that he's going after, and Roman wants that badly. Roman badly wants Seth to declare Big E as his opponent. Not because he's worried about Seth but because Roman doesn't want the WWE championship. Roman wants Brock and Roman wants that blue belt back. He wants his universal championship back. And he's going to get it, whether it be, I don't know if they're doing the elimination chamber in February. I Maybe Roman will win a gauntlet. Roman may have to go through every superstar on the SmackDown roster. And that might be a thing to do. Have Roman Reigns literally beat everybody. Every week on TV, Roman's got a different match. Every live event, Roman's got a different match. And he's got to beat everybody on SmackDown. And he does, and he goes to WrestleMania. I mean, that's just an idea I just had off the top of my head right now. That's not actually my concrete book, and that's just something I'm throwing at you. But Roman goes to WrestleMania, and he has his match with Brock Lesnar. Now, what's been going on? Because Roman 
doesn't have Paul Heyman at his side, and because he lost the Royal Rumble, and we've now started to watch Roman fight and Roman fight and Roman fight, what we're noticing is there is a groundswell of support growing for Roman Reigns, that we see that this is the version of Roman that we've been looking for. We're figuring out how to craft this ideal version of Roman Reigns that we've had over the last year and a half, the best by a mile, into a babyface that people are supporting. That's what's happened. He's not just getting victory after victory after victory, and we feel like morons because we can clearly tell who they want us to cheer for. Instead, he's lost big matches now. He lost to Brock at day one, and he lost to Seth in the Rumble match. And over the course from January until March, watching this guy fight for that Brock Lesnar match, we start to build up a support for him. So we do go to WrestleMania. And we do have Brock and Paul Heyman. And over and from the course of day one until WrestleMania, Brock and Paul have become less and less fun, right? Right after day one, all of January, it's pretty much a blast. You know what I mean? We're just having a good time. But we start to see, it's a real slow shift. But we start to realize very, very subtly, we don't have a full turn going into WrestleMania. We don't have a full Roman is a babyface, Brock Lesnar is a heel again turn because that would be very, very cheesy. We've seen it before. But instead, we've got this thing where the things that we loved about Brock, we're seeing less of. And the things that we love about Roman, we're seeing more of. And there's just this feeling inside where it's like, you know, I think I kind of want Roman to win. You know, I think I kind of, and, and it's important that Brock is not on TV very much because we start to get annoyed again about the fact that we as fans don't have a champion who's on TV. So all those things coming into play, it leads to WrestleMania. It's Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns, Brock with Paul Heyman in his corner. Roman Reigns beats Brock Lesnar. Roman Reigns conquers the beast. He defeats Brock Lesnar. He gets the championship. And the real moment the real moment for WrestleMania is Paul Heyman stepping in the ring and clapping for Roman like we did it. Hook, line, and sinker Roman, you and I, over the course of months and months and months, you and I did it. Let's get the bloodline back together. Boom! Heyman gets knocked out again. Superman punched to Heyman as Roman Reigns and the Usos stand victoriously in the ring, holding up the title for the first time, truly with fans believing. Roman, you earned it. That's the key. When he knocks out Paul Heyman, we as fans can see that this character has finally earned that title that he held on to so tightly for so long. The night uh, or the SmackDown after WrestleMania, we realized something. Drew McIntyre never got his shot. Drew McIntyre was not in the contendership. Drew McIntyre wasn't even in the Royal Rumble match. He never got his shot. Drew turns on Roman. Coming off of WrestleMania, Roman is a full-time Babyface, Drew McIntyre turns heel after WrestleMania on SmackDown and attacks Roman Reigns. So coming off of WrestleMania, it's Drew versus Roman. Roman is the good guy. 
Drew is the bad guy. And Drew and Paul Heyman is nowhere to be found. Paul Heyman gets knocked off at, at WrestleMania and he's off TV until we get to Money in the Bank. Keep in mind, Money in the Bank is a stadium show this year. Big, big deal. It's not a typical Money in the Bank. So not only are we going to have two Money in the Bank matches, but you need to have a mega main event. And for this mega main event, Roman defeats Drew in a singles match, but Drew is not done with Roman because Drew said, Roman, Roman, I decided to get some friends. And Paul Heyman comes out and it's like, oh, don't tell me that Drew and Paul Heyman have joined forces. And Roman is like, is making that face that Roman makes. Like, are you serious? This is what you think is going to help you? I don't care if Paul Heyman is by your side. You, I beat you, Drew. Paul Heyman's been by my side. I, I, and then boom, 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 boom. Here comes Brock. Brock is back months later. And Drew and Brock hit the ring, throw the Usos out of there, and put a beat down on Roman Reigns. Paul Heyman is laughing because he realizes that, look, maybe Roman can, on a good night, beat Brock Lesnar. But Brock and Drew combined with the leadership of Paul Heyman is an unbeatable team. Talk about a two-man power trip. And Drew and Brock spend a little bit of time on SmackDown just tearing everybody up until Roman Reigns says, hey, Paul, I have a partner too, and I'm going to the bloodlines. And and Paul goes, Roman, <laughs> I, look, I love you. I love your family. But even in a handicap match, you and Jimmy, you and Jay, you and Jimmy and Jay are not going to be able to take on Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar. Besides that, when we attacked you, we put Jimmy and Jay on the shelf. You couldn't invite Jimmy and Jay if you wanted to. And Roman goes, uh, Paul, I want you to know. There's nothing I would love more than to invite Jimmy and Jay to whoop your ass with me. But you're right. You did put them on the shelves. I guess they each have an individual shelf. But that's not where my family tree ends. Check out the screen. They turn around. Boom! There's the rock's big face on the screen. If you smell. Oh, no. Paul Heyman goes, no, 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 no. And the announcement is made. Money in the Bank 2022. The main event. Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman in their corner versus the bloodline, Roman Reigns and The Rock. Roman Reigns and The Rock on the same team versus Brock Lesnar and Drew McIntyre. That fills a stadium. We get there and we can't believe it. We could probably get one, maybe two SmackDowns, probably one, maybe one SmackDown, maybe the go-home show. We get out of The Rock. But he does join us via satellite several times. And we get to the pay-per-view and we have it. The Rock is looking amazing. He's looking huge. He's got the Brahma Bull on the back of his tights. Roman Reigns is looking huge. Drew McIntyre looking huge. Brock Lesnar looking huge as only Brock Lesnar can. Just massive amounts of man in the ring. And what a match we see. Just fisticuffs all over the place until finally at the end, the rock bottom is landed on Roman Reigns. The rock turns 
on Roman Reigns. What are we seeing? Brock Lesnar starts laughing. Drew McIntyre looks very confused. Paul Heyman starts laughing. All of a sudden, we realize when Paul Heyman gets in the ring and shake hands with The Rock, the Paul Heyman's ties with the Anoa'i family go a lot deeper than we're even aware of. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Not Sam Wrestling. While you're here, don't forget to please subscribe to this podcast. Don't just download it. Subscribe wherever it is that you got this podcast. And if it's on Apple Podcasts, Leave a five-star rating and a review. It helps the podcast more than you know. While you're subscribing to things, make sure that you visit us at youtube.com slash notsamwrestling and hit the subscribe button there. We've got every interview as well as podcast specials going up every single week for free at youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. And if you want even more Not Sam Wrestling, if one show a week does not suffice, become a Not Sam Shill at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. We do a bonus episode every single week. You can watch the podcast get recorded live every single week. Video of everything that we do, opportunities for Zoom calls, and of course, for everybody that signs up as a Not Sam show, you get every Not Sam Wrestling podcast early and 100% ad-free. Thank you for listening to the show and for your continued support of Not Sam Wrestling. So now, now you want compelling? You want something you haven't seen before? Coming off of Money in the Bank, which, by the way, is a stadium show that is like one month removed from SummerSlam. Two stadium shows, one at the beginning of July, one at the end of July. So what are you going to do? Paul Heyman is going to announce that he still represents the tribal chief and that tribal chief is none other than Dwayne the Rock Johnson. The Rock says that he's heard Roman Reigns running his mouth for the last two years about how he's the head of the table, about how he's the one putting food on the table of the Anawai family. And then he goes, bitch, I got a billion dollar tequila company. What food are you putting on my table? Roman You're not, there's levels to this and you're not on my level. As far as the family tree goes, there's the tree house that you're in and there's the mansion at the top of it that I live on. You're not on my level, Roman. And you know who knows that? The wise man, Paul Heyman. We go to SummerSlam with The Rock saying, Roman, it's time for me to prove this to the world. I'm coming to SummerSlam to embarrass you and to take the Universal Championship from you. And I'm going to do it with Paul Heyman by my side. And at SummerSlam, we see Roman Reigns versus The Rock. And The Rock is with Paul Heyman. Who isn't tuning in or buying a ticket to SummerSlam to see Paul Heyman and The Rock together? And guess what happens? Roman Reigns beats The Rock at SummerSlam. Roman Reigns wins and Paul Heyman has no idea what to do. Now, while all this is going on, I said Drew McIntyre looked confused. Brock Lesnar looked happy. That's because Paul Heyman filled in Brock Lesnar. But Drew McIntyre was never a Paul Heyman guy. 
That's why it's key way back at the SmackDown after WrestleMania when Drew turned on Roman that Paul Heyman wasn't involved in that whatsoever. Drew was on an island. Now, Drew feels like he was taken advantage of. Drew feels like he wasn't informed of all this. So also going into SummerSlam, Drew has now turned back to being a babyface because he didn't like being taken advantage of. And you've got Brock Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre in front of a full stadium. The way it was supposed to be. So that's what you've got for SummerSlam. Brock versus Drew. And Brock tells Paul Heyman, don't worry about this one, Paul. I'll handle this on my own. And then Rock with Paul Heyman versus Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns beats him and continues to hold the Universal Championship. Now, Seth Rollins does take the title off of Big E, whether it's at WrestleMania or whether it's at the pay-per-view after WrestleMania, Seth Rollins does become your WWE champion. So where does that leave us for Survivor Series? Survivor Series in November, 11 months removed from the Royal Rumble. Who were the last two men in the Royal Rumble? Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. 11 months later, they are both representing their respective brands as world champion. And at Survivor Series, that's your main event. Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns. And that is where I see Roman Reigns going in 2022. Now, that's not to say that he won't turn heel again. That's not to say he and Paul Heyman won't be brought back together. There's there's a lot that can happen after 2022. This story is by no means over. But that's where I lay out Roman Reigns in 2022. Um, there's a lot to think about in 2022 in terms of uh, people who I think it's time to to go all the way on. A lot has been made of MJF. A lot has been made of, of interest that WWE has in MJF, that USA has in MJF, that Fox has in MJF. And I don't, I don't doubt any of it, quite frankly. If there is anybody on that AEW roster that the WWE is interested in, I imagine it would be the guy who is completely dedicated to this thing, who is athletic, who can have great matches, who does not buckle under pressure in front of uh, huge crowds or pay-per-view main events, who is one of the best promos in the business right now, and who's in his early 20s. Key, key, early 20s. That, of course, is MJF. I have no doubt that WWE is very interested in MJF. I think it's key for AEW to not allow MJF to be the first person that says to themselves or that fans say, oh, they're just not being used properly. Because that would, I mean, that, 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 that's going to be tougher for AEW to deal with than WWE. Because AEW has fan support. Fans don't want to believe that the that, that people could be uh, uh, victim of the same thing that they feel they're victim of in WWE. They don't want, they don't want that. They don't want that. So in order for that not to happen, and because it's what should be happening anyway, 2022 should be all in on MJF. Clearly, very early in 2022, we're gonna get that MJF 
CM Punk match. I would imagine it's going to be at the first pay-per-view of 2022, whenever that is. This, to me, is important. MJF has to beat CM Punk. The story of MJF cannot be great heel, cuts a great promo, gets people interested, loses big matches. You can't. He's lost, he's had big matches, he's gotten people interested, and he's lost them before. At some point, he's got to win big matches. I think that the cards need to get pushed in. I think MJF needs to beat CM Punk, and part of that is because what's going to make MJF's promos mean even more is when they're true, when there's no getting around it. You know, I think that the, the thing about Roman Reigns that makes that character so compelling is that he does keep winning matches and that he's not lying about the things that he's saying and his success and the fact that he's better than everybody else. That's provable. There's data to back that up. I think we need to create some of that data in 2022 for MJF. Not only do I think MJF is the guy to beat CM Punk, and then CM Punk can go on and be, win matches against other people, but I don't know. I mean, unless you're going to make CM Punk your undefeated AEW champion, I don't see any harm. I see no negative in MJF beating CM Punk. I see negative in CM Punk beating MJF, but I see no negative in MJF winning that match. Beyond that, I think it does go beyond that. I think that the Adam Page storyline was almost a, a fairy tale. It's it was forecast years in advance. It's these things that Bill and 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 I think that you know realistically, like like you've got this this feeling where it's like okay, MJF. I mean, I'm sorry, Adam Page gets to hold the title for a year, and then eventually Kenny comes back, and it's like this long predisposed story amongst the members of the elite, and I think it's key that AEW be a place that's ironically not just about the elite and that is completely unpredictable. I think that that AEW right now is cohesive, and that's a really good thing. A lot of wrestling companies aren't. But I think if you can add unpredictability to your cohesion where there's stuff going on that you didn't see coming, but it's we're not just doing it for the sake of unpredictability. It actually makes sense. It's actually going to add in the long run. Then I think you're starting to strike gold. People are talking about MJF. It's one thing to get people talking about a CM Punk segment, about a Brian Danielson segment, about a segment involving people that are already famous from other wrestling organizations. The fact that you can consistently get people talking about an MJF segment the fact that you can put MJF in a ring with CM Punk or John Moxley or with Chris Jericho or with any of those people and it doesn't feel like, oh, it's the big star and who the guy who AEW's got. Oh, it's the big star and the whipping boy that the company brought in. Nope, it feels like two equals. When you've got that, you shouldn't take advantage of it. And for all those reasons and more, by mid-year, if not before, I see MJF beating CM Punk and then simply saying this, look, I beat the best in the world. 
there's nobody else, I should be the AEW champion. I think Brian Danielson might take uh, exception to that. And I don't think it even has to be on pay-per-view. I think this one can be on TV. I'd like to see MJF and Brian Danielson go to a 45-minute, almost time limit draw. But just before the timer runs out, MJF gets a pin. MJF beats Brian Danielson. Now MJF has beaten CM Punk. He's beaten Brian Danielson. Now comes the time for the pay-per-view AEW championship match. MJF versus Adam Page. And MJF should be the man to take that title off of Adam Page. You want to make the wrestling world talk? Have MJF beat Adam Page and become the AEW champion. Because who, who, who better? Who better to be AEW champion than MJF? You know, I mean, I, 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 th- I think MJF as AEW champion is going to get people to tune in and is going to create compelling story. For me, that's the direction you go in. And maybe Adam Page has to rebuild or maybe there's a series of matches, you know? And I don't even know if, if if MJF holds the title for the entire year after beating MJF. Maybe by the end of 2022, there's another world champion. But ultimately, MJF is the one who should beat Adam Page for that AEW title. And he should have a real run with it. I'd love to see MJF have victories over CM Punk, Daniel, Brian Danielson, and a world title victory over Adam Page in 2022. I could see all of that happening in the first six months of 2022, maybe even sooner. I think when you're talking about AEW, you got to talk about Cody. Cody, who just won the TV title or the TNT championship, the TV, whatever, you you know, the TNT championship. Cody just won it again, beat Sammy Guevara. I mean, come on, guys. If you want to convince people that this is a baby face, you do not have him, a guy who is the boss of the company. People know this. Wrestling fans are smart. You do not have this guy come in, beat a young guy who's a homegrown talent to get the title for the third time. Cody Rhodes is not a baby face, okay? There's an awareness. There's an acute awareness of what is going on with this character. It's very, very obvious to me. To the point where I saw that AEW tweeted out the uh, the announcement that Cody Rhodes had won the TNT championship and they turned off replies on the tweet. And I saw some people, some of the AEW critics were being critical of that. Like, oh, what's the matter? Can't take the heat? Can't take the heat? You got worked, son. I believe, and maybe I'm giving people too much credit, replies were turned off that Cody tweet because we are working on levels. It's meta. Replies were turned off that Cody tweet to get that reaction so that people are sitting there going, Cody's bitch made, AEW this, blah, 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 blah. I want to reply to this tweet. I believe that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe I give uh, the old art of kayfabe too much credit. But there's no part of me that didn't think 
that turning off replies on that tweet was new kayfabe. Becomes a, it doesn't, it's not, it's not endearing. It's not an endearing thing. It's like to, to turn off replies to a tweet is to say, I know this is unpopular, but I refuse to acknowledge that it's unpopular. That's what it says. When a notification comes up that says, you can't reply to this tweet. What it might as well say is the author of this tweet knows that this is an unpopular statement, but will not acknowledge that it's an unpopular statement. And if a company is putting that graphic out, acknowledging this is unpopular and we don't want to talk about it, and then saying, don't worry, he's never going to turn heel, stop it, stop it. In 2022, by the end of 2022, we're going to sit there and we are going to look at Cody Rhodes as a remarkable heel. None of us are going to have any idea how he got us to the place that he got us at. But I believe in 2022, Cody Rhodes will be one of, if not the most talked about heels in all of wrestling. For taking basically the John Cena model and playing it for all it's worth. And as far as having the TV title goes or the TNT championship, I think Cody will hold the TNT championship or I would like Cody to hold the TNT championship through, I would say, into the spring. I mean, let Cody really build as a heel because within, you know, by, by, by up to six months, we'll get to a place where Cody is clearly a heel. And once we're there, that's when Cody loses the TNT championship. AEW is big on their wins and losses. They mean things there, right? So let's make it mean something. In 2022, after Cody becomes the hottest heel in wrestling, he loses the TNT championship to Hook. Obviously, to Hook. Hook would have about six months to just get better and better and better in the ring, to just build that mystique, to just build the desire to send in Hook. And then, boom, right upside the head. Hook becomes the TNT championship by beating Cody. And I think you tell a beautiful story. I think I think you tell a Dusty-style story, except, except for the first time, here's what's going to be great. You use the Dusty tricks that got Dusty over on Hook. Cody becomes Flair. Hook becomes Dusty. Cody is the three-piece suit wearing, limousine riding, jet flying, alligator shoes wearing, Rolex watch having, son of a gun. And Hook, he may not be the son of a plumber, but he's the son of the guy on commentary. And people love him. There's just something about Hook. He could have been pulled right off of a CW teen drama. You know what that means? The kids relate to him. Hook is going to be able to put that hand out and say, touch my hand. Let's get Hook to do a hard times promo. I'm telling you, man. Build Hook the way you've been building him. Build Cody into a super heel. And you got Flair Dusty, except it's Cody and Hook. Boom. 
All right, free money, free money. Although I think AEW is gonna. Here's what I think. Uh, and another here's another one who's gonna get over while we're talking about AEW. I think the Owen Cup goes to Dante Martin. I'd love to see. I think Dante Martin would be a great choice. I'd love to see Lee Moriarty get it. To tell you the truth, but I don't think that AEW is there with him. He's not winning matches yet. I think the way. Tony Khan talks about Dante Martin. I think Dante Martin is your Owen Cup winner. Um, And I think you'll see, you know, as restrictions ease, I think you'll see further partnership between AEW and New Japan. And I think you'll get an AEW New Japan show, both in the Tokyo Dome and in a big old building stateside at some point in 2022. Here's, uh, while we're talking about other promotions... Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor, I do think, will run a show in April. And I think Ring of Honor will probably run a handful of indie shows. I think that they will be, start to feel like, uh, almost like a MLW, you know, almost like a, like, like, a, like impacty, you know, like I, I, I just, I think that, Ring of Honor is going to try to add like TV value to indie shows. And I just don't think it's there anymore for Ring of Honor. I think that Ring of Honor, while they won't ever announce that they're out of business, I think they'll have a small handful of shows in 2022. I do think, however, that they will sell the tape library. And I would love it if WWE bought that tape library. That's what I want to happen. I want WWE to own that tape library. I want the Ring of Honor tape library to be on Peacock. I want WWE to produce documentaries with that tape library. But if you look at the way WWE has adjusted their content strategy, the way I see it anyway, if you listen to the investor calls and stuff like that, it sounds like... WWE is entering into this different phase, something we're not used to with WWE necessarily, which is more sort of wrapped around the idea of licensing content, coming up with a a podcast deal with Bill Simmons, with a a deal for Netflix to create uh, the Vince McMahon documentary, a deal for the TV production company to do the uh, McMahon's versus USA, United States of America steroid scandal, uh, the the deal with A and E about the doc- with the documentaries where it's like you know yeah we could produce our own but we could also license content to other companies and since you're seeing that I wonder if WWE is interested in putting money into more libraries as opposed to licensing what they already have I think it would be a foolish move to allow anybody else to get their hands on that Ring of Honor tape library. I think AEW could benefit from it tremendously. I think that the Ring of Honor tape library and the TNA tape library are both extremely valuable, both to AEW and to WWE. To WWE, so much of their roster's history happened in Ring of Honor and in TNA. There was a whole generation of Ring of Honor guys and then a whole generation of TNA guys. And WWE could really stand to benefit and create 
the content WWE would create out of that content is what I'm looking for. Because WWE is outstanding when it comes to creating content and production value. AEW would stand to benefit from it by creating a streaming service. I don't think the, you know, if, if AEW puts out a streaming service that has like dark and pay-per-views or, and who knows if they can even put their pay-per-views on it, right? Who knows what their deal is with uh, Turner. But if AEW owned their tape library, Impact's tape library, and Ring of Honor's tape library, and you told me if for 10 bucks a month you can get access to AEW, Ring of Honor, and Impact, and the back catalog, I'm getting it. Like, that's a product. That said, if you tell me I'm paying $9 a month for Peacock right now, you know, for what if WWE created a secondary platform? What if WWE brought back some form of the WWE network, called it something else, and for five bucks a month, you can get content that's not on Peacock, for instance, Ring of Honor and Impact or TNA? What if they added it to Peacock at an additional $3 tier? I'd pay for it. I think it's there. I hope WWE gets it because of what they could do with it. I feel like there's a good possibility that they won't make a big move for it. I feel like AEW probably will. For Game Changer Wrestling, for GCW, this is going to be a very big year for GCW. GCW starts 2022 with a show at, well, they do a New Year's show in Atlantic City. But they're doing a show at the Hammerstein Ballroom, and it's sold out in one day. Who knows what's going to be at the, it's sold out in one day with no card announced. And the only people announced for being at the show were members of the Game Changer Wrestling roster. That's amazing. Since then, they have announced there's going to be a Ring of Honor title match at the GCW show, which I think you'll see more of that. I think Ring of Honor will almost become what NWA became before Billy Corgan brought it back, where the, the title existed and the champion could travel, and every now and then there's a show, but it's really more about the, the lineage and the legacy. Um, I think that the, the Hammerstein Ballroom show, no pun intended, all pun intended, is going to be a game changer for GCW. I think that GCW, anybody that gives it a shot, I, I haven't heard anybody that's not all in with it. And if you go to a live show, forget it. You'll become a huge fan. I think the only thing, Game Changer Wrestling has their own unique roster, has their own unique way of doing things, has their own unique way of presentation. Like, they are truly an alternative to everything. They are the punk rock organization, and it's cool. It's progressive, and it's cool. And it's what there should be more of in wrestling. The only thing holding GCW back is that the production value is not good. Is that when you buy a GCW show on Fight, and this is not because of Fight, it's it just is what it is in independent wrestling. There's no telling if it's going to be of a decent production value and how it, how, how the stream's going to be. You know, and, and and it's more about the production value than the stream quality. Usually there's not a ton of trouble watching. I think at their last show, there's a little bit of trouble watching it. But it's about having really good cameras, really good camera angles, a really good director in there, really good commentary, 
really good sound. You know, if if GCW had good cameras, good direction, good directors, good commentary, and good sound. Not that they don't. Uh, yeah, I'm not taking shots at anything that they have right now. But I'm saying if all those, if they up the quality on it, then you'd you'd have a real you'd you'd have something really going on. It's all about storytelling. And you have to make sure that you can tell these stories. And I feel like that's the only thing that if GCW upped the production value significantly, which is gonna which costs a lot of money. And where does that money come from? I don't know. But if they did that, then the argument about whether or not they're number three is over. And then it's done. Then we know. And I think that could happen. But I think that that, that that's that's what's got to happen. And quite honestly, I hope it happens at the Hammerstein show. I think you get a lot of eyes at that Hammerstein show. But once you got the eyes, it has to feel like a real professional product. I think going back to WWE, it's going to be a big year for the giant almost. Now, of course, as I said earlier in the podcast, Almost has a match on Raw tonight against AJ Styles. At the time of this podcast coming out, that match obviously hasn't happened yet. But if it's me, almost kills AJ Styles. That's the only reason to do the match. Kills him. Just destroys him. I think that what you'll see with Almost is just a guy. I think that if it's me, because I could see him going becoming a mega babyface right away. There's something... Very likable about Amos. There's something very likable about him as a person, and there's something that it translates in some intangible way. People like him. People like seeing him. And they're figuring out, like, he should never sell. He should never get knocked around. He should never lose. But as long as he's just on offense and just destroying people, he'll get over huge. I think that he should spend, honestly, a month or two as a heel. And then I think become a pretty strong babyface by the time we get to WrestleMania. You know, I think he could have some cool moments in the Royal Rumble. But I think what you do is you have him kill AJ Styles. You have him go on a heel heel run through the Royal Rumble. Somebody pisses him off at the Royal Rumble that's a heel. And he starts to turn. So then you get him to be this uh, super strong baby face. Because, you know, WWE likes that. WWE likes having a, 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 a big, strong, giant baby face that kids like. And I, I think that almost is that guy. I think that, there's, that, that that's that's how I would do it. And I think that that's, that's how you're going to see it. I think AJ Styles, even though he gets killed by almost, is almost like one of those things where after AJ Styles gets killed by almost, everybody else does as well. So it's not like AJ looks weak for it. I think AJ goes back to the main event after this. I think that that I feel like Edge versus Miz is probably a one and done unless they do maybe a mixed tag after this. I think AJ might be a good opponent for Edge. I think uh, AJ headed back into the title picture. I, th- I think that you're going to see a lot more with AJ Styles in 2022. I think 2021, uh, he was there. He's getting almost over. And he probably, you know, rested up, healed up quite a bit because he didn't have to be as intense in the ring as his normal schedule is. Although, you know, AJ Styles at the speed that he was going in 2021 is still more than I can even fathom. 
I think that AJ's got at least one real, real strong run left in him, maybe more. And I think that we're going to see it in 2022. I think that, that when you look at real strong runs in people, obviously Bailey's going to be back soon. I wouldn't be surprised if Bailey's back by day one. Bailey's going to be back early, I think, in 2022. There's no getting around it. If anybody got screwed by the to- by timing in 2021, it was Bailey. Bailey was a, a pandemic Thunderdome era MVP. Bailey was on fire. Bailey was doing some of the best work of her career. And the the minute that shows started in front of fans, literally in a training session, getting ready to get back on the road right before fans were back, Bailey gets injured and she's out of action. And what happens? We don't really talk about the Thunderdome era. We're not really here in 2021 to talk about old shit. So all that stuff that Bailey did was kind of, it's, it's not really acknowledged. All we've done in since the Thunderdome era is create new stories, try to build new stars. All that said, fans don't forget. Fans don't forget the good stuff. I think Bailey comes back, and if you thought Bailey was hot before, I think 2022 is going to be a year that you see Bailey rise on the level of like, I mean, I, she may give Becky Lynch a run for her money, to tell you the truth. I think, I think, I don't know that she'll get quite as high up as Becky Lynch. You know, Becky Lynch, at her highest, the biggest superstar in the roster. But I think if Bailey doesn't get there, she'll be close. I think it's going to be a, a hell of a year. Marsh from Patreon specifically asked me to bring up Bailey and what she's doing in 2022. Bailey is going to come for what's hers in 2022. I think Bailey's ready for it. I think that that fans are ready for it. I think that it's it's clear to everybody that now is the time, and I think that now will be the time. Um, I think that that by the end of the year, Damian Priest and Riddle both need to either be in the title conversation or WWE champion. You know, I mean. I wouldn't mind if Riddle won the Royal Rumble and just went right, but I don't see it happening. Number one, I already have my Royal Rumble scenario. And number two, uh, I don't know. I feel like this rated RKO thing has gone so well that it's almost like slow it down. However, I think that I think that you break up rated, I, I keep saying rated RK bro. Yeah, I think that you break up RK bro. I think that you do Riddle versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania. I think Riddle beats Randy Orton at WrestleMania. And coming off of WrestleMania, that's when Riddle really starts to grow as a babyface superstar because he can do everything. I mean, he's just good at everything. Damian Priest has been so well-managed as far as, I mean, wins and losses and the way he's presented. He's just come across as such a star. I think every time he's in there, nobody doubts Oh, why, why do they, what do they see in him? Nobody questions that. Everybody sees it in him. Uh, and I think now's the time to execute. I think Riddle and Damian Priest are in the main event scene in 2022. And before we end the thing, we need to talk about NXT 2.0. Because 2022 is going to be the year that NXT 2.0 is used for what NXT 2.0 was created for. The only reason that the black and gold brand doesn't exist anymore 
is because NXT stopped being about creating stars for Raw and SmackDown and started being about creating NXT stars, which is fine. It's what it was. It's just a different thing. WWE said, we don't need a third brand. What we need is an area where stars will be built for Raw and SmackDown. And so 2022 is when we find out if NXT 2.0 was at least successful on an introductory level. And in order to find that out, we need to look at Raw and SmackDown and see if any of the 2.0 stars have become Raw and SmackDown superstars. I believe that they will, and I believe that you're going to start to see it early. I think clearly Braun Breaker is going to get the first shot, right? I think uh, 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 everybody knows that. I think you could have only, if you just watched the first episode of NXT 2.0, it was real clear that Braun Breaker was the standout, uh, that WWE felt that way, and that the fans agreed. And coming off of that, even the people who don't like his name, even the people that don't like the black and gold doesn't exist anymore, everybody is sitting there talking about the fact that this guy, but Braun Breaker's awesome. Nobody doesn't think that Braun Breaker's awesome. I think Braun Breaker is in the Royal Rumble this year. I think Braun Breaker is in the Kane spot. I think Braun Breaker is getting seven, eight, nine, ten eliminations. I think he's making a name for himself. Uh, I think he's crushing everybody. And then I think Braun Breaker shows up on Raw or SmackDown. Maybe SmackDown works better for my scenario. Although I think Raw could really use him. I don't know. Braun Breaker shows up on WWE TV the night right after the Royal Rumble. So as Braun Breaker shows up in the Royal Rumble match, and then he's on the main roster from there on out. I have Braun Breaker beating Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania. If you were listening to the beginning of the podcast, you know that my scenario for the night after WrestleMania or, or the SmackDown after WrestleMania is to have Drew McIntyre jump Roman Reigns. So Drew McIntyre is turning heel anyway. So the story's over for Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre getting a win at WrestleMania does nothing, right? Because he's going to turn heel right after that anyway. So Braun Breaker versus Drew McIntyre. Braun Breaker gets a big win over Drew McIntyre. But I think what you're going to see is that while Braun Breaker is not a failure by any stretch of the imagination, and he is working, that I think that they're going to realize like, okay, like he's not going to be the world champion this year. We still need, we just need to keep working with him. And it's okay to have him on the main roster. He's just going to have to learn as he goes. And maybe 2023, maybe 2024 is when he's in that spot for world champion. I mean, you know, look at Bob Lashley, okay? He came right on. Look at Drew McIntyre. There are guys that come in and it's like, okay, this is our guy. And it's like, nope, he's not ready yet. He will be, but he's not there yet. And I think that that's what you're going to get with Drew, with Braun Breaker. The success of NXT 2.0 in 2022 is super clear to me. When I watch that show today, when I watch it now, it is very obvious to me who, if I am running Raw and SmackDown, who's coming up yesterday. By the end of 2022, Grayson Waller is NXT 2.0's success story. Grayson Waller is the guy. Grayson Waller is the WWE's answer to uh, Jake Paul. Grayson Waller is the heel for 2022. He's relatable. He feels like he comes from this time. He doesn't feel like he was created by like people who've been doing wrestling for 40 years. He feels real. The Australian accent makes him more hateable. The blonde hair, the good looks. And then, you know, he's perfect. 
He's perfect. I thought when he, I love when he jumped Johnny Gargano. I thought his performance at the War Games was great. Grayson Waller is your guy. And the way that I would show him to the world is through a series of matches with Edge. If there is any better way to use Edge while we have him, this would be that way. A series of three matches against Grayson Waller where Grayson Waller shocks the world and wins the first one. Cheats. Not cool, but wins it. Edge is pissed, comes back, wins the second one, and it's Grayson Waller who wins that third match. Or even if Edge ends up winning. It doesn't really matter who wins and loses. I have Grayson Waller winning because I like the idea of him coming off of it just looking great. But even if it makes more sense to Edge for Edge to win so that Edge can move on to something else, we learn through the series of matches with Edge exactly what Grayson Waller brings to the table. And we leave going, huh, Braun Breaker is still the man. I thought that he would be the first real breakout star, but I think it's Grayson Waller. I truly believe if you put Grayson Waller on Raw or SmackDown today, he's ready. He's ready and he would be one of the hottest heels if you just let him be him which I know, but if you just let him do what he does, he fits right into WWE world. And, you know, I, 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 I think he is, he is the heel for 2022. He doesn't feel like he's playing wrestling heel. He feels like he's a villain reflective of the culture and the time that we live in today. Look, However you think, uh, I'll tell you what I really hope for 2022 is these Saturday pay-per-views keep going. I love a Saturday pay-per-view. Thanks to Nick Khan and Tony Khan for making them regular things. Uh, day one coming up on Saturday. Um, and and uh, most of the pay-per-views this year, I think, are scheduled for Saturdays. So I'm very, very excited about that. I think WrestleMania two nights is going to be really, really interesting. Um, I think there's going to be a lot to talk about in 2022. I think... AEW uh, is in a position where they're going to prove whether or not they can uh, build off of the momentum that they've earned. And I think that WWE is in a spot where they are going to evolve as a company. A lot of what's been happening that feels weird and strange. I think there will be more releases, unfortunately, in 2022. It's just the way the business is. But I think the changes that we've been seeing where it's like, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? They never did this before. They never did that before. I think that they're going to come to fruition. I think in 2022, a picture is going to be painted of what modern day WWE as an entertainment company looks like. And I think that there's going to be room. I think there's going to be room for Impact to step up in a big way. I think there's going to be room for GCW to step up in a big way. I think there's going to be room, you know, hopefully if the restrictions ease for New Japan to to kind of reclaim their spot to, you know, maybe maybe return to to, to the place of esteem that they were at three or four years ago. It's going to be a fun time. I look forward to 2022 and I look forward to being here in 2022 every single week with you guys to talk about wrestling. If you want more, if you want me twice a week, go to patreon.com slash not Sam wrestling. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash not Sam wrestling. There'll be plenty of clips from today's show that make it up there so you can see them for yourself. It'll be great. It'll be fun. Happy New Year. Hope Christmas was good. Hey, guys. 
See you next year, huh? Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.